Welcome, everybody, to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. That was very rhythmic and exciting. Uh, felt good. I definitely that did not. I did not give you enough warning. I apologize for that. It's fine. It was. Uh, it turned into dragon feeding times. So we're a little, little delayed as far as getting back to the live episode here. And I was like, oh shit! I took way more time than I wanted to. So that's my bad, Doug. I apologize. <laughs> Uh, it is still just Bug and Doug here to break down another conference in our conference preview series. Tug will be back eventually, but not yet. That's where we're at with that one. <laughs> uh, this is the ACC conference preview. We have two more FBS conferences to go after this. We will have 13 whole entire FCS conferences after this as well, as we are only, what, five weeks away from college football, which is incredible. Love it very much. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are live with us on Twitch, that is awesome. It's the right place to be. It's the great, perfect way to go about this. Highly recommend it to everyone. Uh, if you're watching this later, I recommend you check us out on YouTube for it. We get to see all the graphics that we put up. Uh, it helps. You know, see what we're talking about. If you are on audio, though, thank you very much for tuning in. This is the ACC episode. Yesterday, we would have launched the Big 12 episode, but if you're live, you get both those on the same night, uh, an entire day before the first one. More bang so, for your buck. I know. It's it's very much worth it. Uh, well, let's go ahead and start talking about the ACC here. I do want to say, before we jump to the first team, I know I did it to you again, trying to Fake me out. <laughs> trying, trying to fake you into changing slides when I ain't ready for you. But there is a lot of speculation. We've started off basically every conference with some realignment talk. There's been a lot of speculation about potential moves that current ACC teams might be trying to make. There's an issue there known as the grant of rights, uh, which ACC has through, I believe it's 2036. That's a very long time <laughs> to hold the rights, the TV distribution rights to these teams. There are apparently some very high-paid lawyers looking into this and finding ways to skirt the rules. We'll see if that actually happens. If it does, I would expect the likes of Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, Miami, uh, Virginia to be on the move very soon to new homes. Why do I say those teams specifically? They're both football and basketball powers and very good academically. So it helps quite a bit if you fit the mold of what these other conferences are looking for. But in the meantime, and as of yet, nothing has been officially announced. So as far as we know, officially through the mid 2030s, this is what the ACC is going to look like. What we're about to break down here for you. Uh, it's been the, I don't know, third or fourth best conference in the country at times, but I think mostly because of one or two teams at a time. Um, I think that might be changing a little bit this year. I think there's, yeah. I think we're finally going to have at least two or three teams that are going to be really worthwhile in this conference, which is not really something we can say that has been the case, I guess, uh, you know, as, as recently as Clemson's last 
national championship four years ago, five years ago. It was them. That was it. That was the entire conference. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think we're really about to start seeing a revitalization of some really big historic college football names in this conference. One's probably coming on a little bit faster than the other, but uh, it's it's for the better of college football. And for what is mostly a basketball conference, it's going to be great to see the ACC and all these schools putting football priority for once as well. Yeah, and also I will say for football this year, they have gotten rid of divisions. They were the first Power Five conference to announce that they were doing that. Ooh. So we are looking at a divisionless ACC this year. means the entire conference, we're going to go in alphabetical order, starting with Boston College. Moorhead. All right, that's it. That's all there really is to talk about. <laughs> okay. Uh <laughs> <laughs> they are head coached by Jeff Halfley. Uh, Jeff Halfley's entering his fourth season here. Uh, also has four times four head. That that was terrible. He has he has a gigantic forehead. There was no other way to go about that. Well, pun I was trying to make. Anyway, uh, he used to be a defensive backs coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Then went to be the defensive coordinator for the Ohio State Buckeyes. A single season there, produced two first-round draft picks at corner, and then got a head coaching job at Boston College. Um, felt like a big transition. Kind of didn't understand it at the time for Boston College. And I think there's a little bit of – I don't want to say there's buyer's remorse here. Like, I don't think Jeff Halfley's done a bad job. It also does feel like Boston College has underperformed expectations the past couple of years. Not all that can be attributed to Halfley, though. I think most of that can be ascribed to all the injuries that they've seen, especially to the quarterback room. Uh, Phil Yurkovic hasn't played an entire season his whole career at Boston College. Uh, so last year we did see Emmett Moorhead get a fair bit of starting time. And with Phil Yurkovic now transferred out, Emmett Moorhead's got to be your starter. Um, unfortunately, he's throwing to a depleted wide receiver room. Dino Tomlin is probably your best returning receiver, even though he only had 10 catches for 181 yards last year. I don't know. This feels like a pretty weak roster. Maybe the weakest roster Jeff Halfley has had here. Um, and they stuff. And they haven't made it easy on themselves in their non-conference schedule either. I mean, Northern Illinois, in theory, is an easier game on that list. But let's be real, NIU is another team where we never really know what we're getting. We've talked about that already. And then Army and UConn, I mean two more teams that same thing they could be really hot or really not and you have them dispersed so much throughout the season it's going to be tough to get any kind of momentum going on either end i will also say this is a team that comes out and surprises everybody it seems like you're in and you're out and whenever the red bandana game is i'm trying to see if it's on here anywhere i'm not seeing it uh oh it is it is against fsu to open up the conference schedule I think most people would say 
that FSU is going to win that game, but you never know what's going to happen. This is almost bigger than any type of rivalry BC has. That game's going to be one to watch on September 16th, uh, week three of the season. Huge shout out also to Harvard transfer Alex Washington, cracking the top three most influential starters on this defense this year for Boston College. That's crazy in and of itself. Maybe a problem for the Eagles, but you know, that's where we're at. <laughs> so. Okay. You can't crawl across my desk. You're going to go up to start talking about Clemson, but I will be right back. Okay. Uh, <laughs> while we're waiting on Bug, here's Clemson. Dabo Sweeney is back for his 16th season as the head coach of the Clemson Tigers. Another round of new coordinators, though, as last year's internal promotions didn't exactly work out. We'll see. We'll see what Clemson can do this season. Um, I say didn't really work out, even though they did go undefeated in the conference last year, and they went 11-3 and overall, winning the ACC. It didn't feel like the same Clemson, though. Uh, that was – yeah, that was exactly how I was going to start off, too. It was like, oh, cool, they – I didn't realize they had such a great season because it didn't feel like a good Clemson right. Tiger football season. Right. Uh, I guess some of those expectations are a little bit unrealistic every single year, right? It's This is not a program where you can traditionally expect them to compete for national titles year in and year out. For the fact that Dabo Sweeney had them doing that for a couple of years there is incredible in and of itself. And he is a good coach, contrary to what some people on this show think. And he's not referring to me, uh, <laughs> if that narrows it down for you. I would say it to his face, and he knows it too, so I don't even feel bad. At the same time, we're talking about how it didn't feel the same, and the coordinators even got changed after winning the conference. This is a star-studded roster, legitimately, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I only had Tyler Davis in our Power 5 All-America squad, Jeremiah Trotter and Barrett Carter, both are two of the best linebackers in the country, and they're both on the Clemson Tigers defense. And Will Shipley might be one of the best returning running backs in the nation in his own right. Uh, over 1,100 yards last year and 15 touchdowns on the ground with another good returning offensive line. So this Clemson team should be very good again. It's just a matter of can they be as good as we expect them to be or want them to be from recent memory, and can they be the class of the ACC, which is what everyone kind of relies on them to be at this point. Yeah, this is you know this is the team that has carried the ACC, like we said, and their only two losses last year during the regular season were to Notre Dame, which that basically killed their college football playoff aspirations and then dropping a game to South Carolina at home by a point near the end of the season to close out the season, not even near the end of the season to close out the season completely killed those hopes. I'll give it up to Dabo Sweeney. He at least wasn't crying to the media about how his team still deserved to be in the national championship playoffs. <clears throat> Nick Saban. Uh, it's, it's incredible to me that, like we said, it, it just felt like it was it was a season for Clemson. Nobody really knew, but eleven or you know, eleven and two, ten and two in the regular season. Like, come on, 
That's just, yeah. I I don't what. It feels like we put so much on the fact that DJ Uangalele wasn't just completely lighting up the scoreboard. Sure. And that's what really made it feel like they just weren't that team anymore. Yeah, we went from Taj Boyd to Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Right. And who was who was there before Taj Boyd? Because I'm pretty sure he was a fucking baller too. Um I don't know. I'll Probably back in 2014. But either way, like that run of quarterbacks is a large part of what made this Clemson identity. What also made the Clemson identity was the run of dominant defensive lines. And that's something that Brent Venables really solidified. Uh, and when he left, I don't know that the defensive lines are exactly the same as they used to be. Like the the edge rushing presence isn't going to be that same level. Um, even though I do like Tyler Davis a ton, that's a defensive tackle, right? Uh, defensive tackles are important. It's a different skill set, a different you know expectation of what you what you want to get out of them. So it's a, it's a different construction. And I think we have to come to terms with that. At the same time, it almost, it's kind of funny that last year, if they did beat South Carolina, that probably would have been in the playoffs over Ohio state. Um, As you know, ACC champs, Ohio state lost in the last week of the regular season and with Clemson winning the, for the back half of the season winning out the last, you know, nine, 10 weeks and winning the ACC title. I bet that's what would have happened. Um, and yet, I don't know. They found a way to Clemson it. Uh, harkening <laughs> back. back to, it's back. back to the mid-2000s, <laughs> early 2010s. They found a way. They fucked it. That's for sure. <laughs> So did USC though. It wasn't just Clemson that Clemson. I mean, did. that's that's very true. They've got <laughs> another uh, another chance to write one of their wins or one of their losses from last year, hosting Notre Dame, and then once again closing out the season with the Textile Bowl against the Gamecocks. They could they could really get both those win backs, wins back, and be in that national championship conversation yet again. So I'm um, I'm excited to see what they're able to do here. It's I'm incredible not, that they're. <laughs> it's incredible that they're coming up uh, on potentially another great season, and there's not much to say because what what is there to say that hasn't already been said about this team and about Dabo right. Sweeney? They did lose to Tennessee last year, so fuck them. They they did. That's <laughs> they didn't just lose. They got they got stomped in that bowl game. Uh, next up is Duke. Mike Elko in his first season with the Duke Blue Devils last year. Adam running pretty well. Nine and four, five and three in the conference. Found a, a guy at quarterback. Riley Leonard. Riley Leonard looks like a legitimate quarterback prospect. Uh, he is a traditional size for quarterback as well, which certainly helps. But man, he played very well last year as a true sophomore, like kind of out of nowhere. Um, 
it got Mike Elko a huge contract extension. Like he is signed on with Duke through 2029 now, even though that was his only season there so far. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I've, I've seen that bite a team in the ass before, looking at you, Indiana and Tom Allen. That's another story. But, <laughs> hey, if Mike Elko can keep this up, Duke was actually like a, a tough team to play last year. Uh, I've already talked about the quarterback, but I do want to shout out another Ivy League transfer on the slides for us, Cam Dillon coming over from the Columbia Lions. Very exciting. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I don't know what to what to make of this Duke team. This is a an upstart squad that I had no expectations of last year, and yet they're almost very nearly a double digit win team. Yeah, they uh, just like North Carolina. I think honestly, I think the success of North Carolina is what's made Duke uh, put effort into football. Right? You know, North Carolina Duke basketball. A historic rivalry uh, that is full of a lot of passion and intense matchups. Duke seeing the success of their their uh, their very close neighbors in Chapel Hill could not have sat well with them. I you got to believe that has a lot to do with the reinvestment in football. It has a lot to Duke. A lot to Duke. Uh, they have a massive test to start off the season because they start off with a conference matchup against the team we just talked about, Clemson. Yeah. Uh, but then, I mean, they've got they've got a pretty interesting non-conference schedule. Uh, three cupcakes in a row and then facing off against Notre Dame at home for a very early homecoming. Yes, I said three cupcakes in a row and one of them is Northwestern. Uh, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> I think week one and week five, we're going to learn a lot about this team. And that's... So Clemson, Clemson, three cupcakes, Notre Dame. So it sounds like they're starting four and one. And then... <laughs> do do they win against Clemson or Notre Dame? I think they got a chance. I think they got a chance I, against I was, one of those teams. I was assuming Notre Dame there. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm joking, but maybe not. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> that's why the, that's why we play the games. Uh, Florida State is the other team that people are expecting to carry the torch of this conference this year, other than Clemson. I would say definitively, everyone's expecting big things out of the Seminoles. A ten-win season for them last year, including the bowl win against Oklahoma, and a very exciting game. Also started the season in. An exhilarating fashion against the LSU Tigers in the Superdome, uh, which really, I think that game established Jordan Travis as a guy everybody's watching out for now. Uh, and then over the course of the season, he just kept on proving it. Jordan Travis is a very exciting quarterback to watch. We've talked about Jared Verse a couple of times now over the past couple of years. And Fentrell Cypress, too. Like, not – I wasn't pronouncing that as two, even though he is the second. <laughs> that was – wow, that made me laugh immediately. Uh, Fantrell Cypress the second as well, we've talked about in the past, when he was a corner for Virginia, transfers to Florida State, and instantly becomes my favorite of their defensive backs. This Mike Norvell squad is 
kind of terrifying this year. I think he's figured out his place and how he's going to make things work in the ACC, which is something another former Memphis coach was unable to do at Virginia Tech, Justin Fuentes. And we'll talk about Virginia Tech here later, but Mike Norvell finally has it all together and is paying dividends in a big way. And I think probably the one spot where it's more evident than any other is they're taking a page out of the SEC's book and having a cupcake week playing North Alabama before they head out to Gainesville to take on the Gators in rivalry week. And that is legitimately a cupcake. I don't expect anything of North Alabama Bears this year. Sorry. Is, <laughs> is, that a, be said. is that a bear? It looks like it's a lion in their logo. Is that seriously a bear? I'm very confident in that. Are we sure it's not the Mercer Bears you're thinking of? It's definitely the North Alabama Lions. It, it is the Mercer Bears I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's <laughs> North Alabama's purple, and that is the Lions. Holy shit. I'm sorry. They're not going to do anything either, though. It's it's they, You get the same result. You get the same result. <laughs> I'm excited for FSU to finally have a good team again, though. Let's, let's just suffice yeah. to say that. I think that's a good place to leave it. As much as I dislike Florida State, like as a – entity as a concept it's yeah college football is better when they're good so glad you're back i agree Uh, georgia tech is another of the upstarts from last year that i expected nothing from and got some very exciting football i'll say that's in pretty significant part due to the interim job that brent key was able to do here former georgia tech offensive lineman himself former offensive line coach at Alabama and at Georgia Tech before taking over the interim role after they let go of their previous head coach for sucking too hard. Uh, (laughs) Call it like it is. Brent Key took them to four and four in the remaining stretch of the season. Unreal. The entirety of the conference slate, basically. Uh, Four wins. With this Georgia Tech squad that nobody expected anything out of. And now he brings in a couple of transfers to try and upgrade some positions. I do think Haynes King is an improvement, even though he hasn't really had a chance to prove himself at Texas A&M. Andre White also coming over from the Aggies. And a couple of big-time guys staying with the program because of how much they love playing for Brent Key. Like, this is a big-time upgrade to the Yellow Jackets squad here. Uh, I also have Christian Leary on the slide, which he only has this is another situation like what we talked about in the Big 12 preview. There's a receiver here who doesn't have many catches in his career as coming up on his senior season or even redshirt senior season. And I have him up here expecting bigger things. He has three catches in his collegiate career so far, Christian Leary does. Uh, the thing is, those catches have all been for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So coming over to Georgia Tech, he's probably the most talented receiver in that room. Just being real. (laughs) I think Haynes King has a big-time target to throw to who has some experience, if not game experience, he has experience preparing in a a very tough environment. Alabama's practices are harder than most ACC conference games. (laughs) That's true. And I will say, too, credit to them for scheduling a real team leading into rivalry week for clean, old-fashioned hate. 
they're lucky that they get the home side of both of those games, although I don't think it's going to matter too much going up against Georgia, who very likely will be playing hard in that one, trying to get back into the SEC championship game. I am intrigued to see how they do through the rest of this conference schedule, though. I think there's a lot of question marks about how Brent K is going to do through a full season still. Uh, but four and four, man, that's Georgia Tech has not had any prospects of even sniffing that uh, probably in the past five, six years. Yeah, and they got a big whiff of it last year, let alone sniffing it. <laughs> they even beat the ACC runners up in North Carolina. So, like, they weren't beating nothing but scrubs. They beat Duke, who we just talked about, had a great season last year. Yep. Like, this is a a team who was in it every week except for when they played Florida State. Like, even the Georgia game was closer than the final score looks like. The first half was actually pretty dang close. And they helped, they held Georgia to fewer points than TCU could in the national championship. So, Which is saying a lot. And now for my alma mater, the Louisville Cardinals, uh, bringing in head coach and former Louisville quarterback Jeff Brom, along with his brother, another former Louisville quarterback, Brian Brom, to be his offensive coordinator. Yeah, this has been coming for a long time. If you know anything about the Jeff Brom situation, uh, when he was at Purdue initially, it was like two years in, Louisville was looking for a head coach. He's like, I made a commitment to Purdue. I felt bad leaving as early as that, so I stuck with Purdue. But now the timing works out great, and I get a chance to come home. He's literally born and raised in Louisville, got to play quarterback for Louisville, and now he's back in Louisville as the head coach here. I am very much looking forward to what the Cardinals can do with Jeff Brom, especially after his success at both Western Kentucky and at Purdue as head coach. Purdue was Big Ten West champions. Didn't didn't he play in the XFL too and have a, a very famous quote before a game and then proceeded to get knocked the fuck out or something ridiculous like that? That's very possible. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I, I don't think I'm misremembering this. I think this is something that legitimately happened. Uh this is the exact inverse of what we were just talking about with Scott Satterfield at Cincinnati, right? Scott Satterfield leaving Louisville, and Louisville fans are very excited. Uh, (laughs) Coming into Cincinnati, like, wow, this is going to be a really down year for Cincinnati. Um, Jeff Brom comes into Louisville. Everyone's expecting big things. This is the most I've ever – this is the highest I've ever held the offensive line for Louisville, like, regarded – this offensive line is anything good. Brian Hudson's like a legitimate center, which, all right, you got to understand. When I went to the Air Force Academy, I broke my ankle like three times in the first year. When I came home from the Air Force Academy, L recruited me to play center on a thrice broken ankle because they were that <laughs> desperate at offensive line, and I had played center before. And they were like, dude, we need you so badly. And there were a couple of reasons that I didn't work necessarily with ACC and NCAA rules for eligibility purposes. Some weird bullshit. But the offensive line has come that far. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a great thing for Louisville. 
Also, Jack Plummer's coming in at quarterback, uh, formerly of the Cal Bears, who we talked about in the Pac-12 episode as one of the two teams in the Pac-12 who don't have a quarterback anymore. Well, that's because Jack Plummer transferred back to a Jeff Brom team. He started his career at Purdue, went to Cal to get some starting experience, and now he's back under Jeff Brom as the presumptive starter for the Louisville Cardinals this season. And I think this is going to be a pretty good Louisville team. I definitely think there's potential here. And another team that when they're up, I feel like makes college football better because they add a a layer of depth that you don't typically see. It feels like it's been so top-heavy between one conference and a couple teams from every other conference. Having more power spread across the conferences, I think, is a great thing. And I do think Louisville has been on the rise. I, I think Jeff Brom, too, he came in as the interim head coach for the Fenway Bowl last year against Cincinnati. He came in and won that game after not being there all season with a Scott Satterfield coached and recruited team. Now that he's in there getting his own guys in there, I'm excited to see what the Cardinals can do. And that's that, that hurts a little bit to say, too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I got to say, I think you're absolutely right about uh, the the seasons where Louisville is good are awesome seasons. Like I think back to when Lamar Jackson won the Heisman Trophy. That game against Clemson that year, I <laughs> I got to tell this story too. I used to work at a warehouse. Uh, probably I was in sightline of the stadium. But it is pretty far away from the stadium. I would say three and a half, four miles at least from the stadium. Uh, but I went on break uh, at my shift at the warehouse, go out to the parking lot, and I can hear the tailgating before the game. <laughs> People were that loud ahead of that game. Uh, that was 2016, which I also remember because I was at that warehouse for the World Series that shall not be named (laughs) the best world series in the history of baseball. Yes. That one, but man, that Louisville Clemson game. Oh my gosh. The city got so hyped for that. And, uh, all of, all of college football just felt like it revolved around Louisville for once. That was crazy. What an experience. (laughs) I remember, I I remember when college game day came to Louisville too. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. I don't know that we'll quite have anything like that going on this season. for it Louisville. Be, it and I don't know that we'll have anything like that going on for Miami, but I got to wonder if maybe they're going to start trending in that direction. The first year for Mario Cristobal definitely didn't bode a lot of confidence in anybody, but who knows? Maybe they can, maybe they can get it turned around some this year. That's kind of why I picked this picture of Mario Cristobal. It kind of encapsulates the vibe of the Hurricanes yeah. last season. It really does, though. <laughs> Tyler Van Dyke couldn't play the entire season. Um, even when he was playing, it didn't feel like he was living up to expectations necessarily. Zion Nelson's awesome at left tackle. You need four other players on your offensive line, unfortunately. That wasn't consistent last year. Uh, Cameron Kitchens is awesome at safety. 
defensive back room feels solidified with him alone. You need a defensive line and some linebackers in there as well. I don't know that they have too much talent to spread around. Like what we talked about in the Big 12 preview with uh, like Kansas State is basically feel like they're good all over the place. Texas Tech feels like they're good all over the place. Not necessarily star power, but they're good everywhere. And it's like almost the exact opposite for Miami. They have a couple of name recognition guys. Everywhere else feels pretty thin. Tyler Van Dyke is a name to watch out for. Zion Nelson, Cameron Kitchens. I like Henry Parrish Jr. But, like, if he doesn't perform initially, who in the world are you going to turn to? There's nobody there. If he can't run to the right side of the offensive line, it's not like you can replace anybody there, and it's not like everybody on the right side of that line is very good to begin with. So there are some big holes to fill for Mario Cristobal, but he is at his alma mater, and I'm sure he'll be doing his darndest to fill those holes. So to speak. I will say, too, I love their their non-conference schedule uh, this season. Opening up against Miami, Ohio, as we've talked about already, winner keeps the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hosting Texas A&M, Bethune-Cookman, and then going to Temple. There's a lot going on with this. Uh, that Texas A&M game, of course, is going to be one to circle and watch early in the season, although not one that we're particularly keeping track of as Texas A&M is the home team there. But I am curious to see how they fare in this non-conference schedule. I I think 3-1, and one, very realistic potential, like 4-0 and oh being winning that Texas A&M game, but they've got so many question marks year to year anymore too. I'm interested. I'm interested to see what this team's able to do, and I think we're going to get a very good read on that early in the year. They're playing Temple this year, which is not Notre Dame, so it's not Catholics versus convicts. Temple is Baptist. It's Baptists versus convicts this year. (laughs) Enough of that. (laughs) North Carolina. Is up next. They are the ACC runners up from last year. Mac Brown returns for his 15th season overall with Star Heels, but fifth since coming back from ESPN. Uh, and they have the second best quarterback in the country from what people expect, probably. Cale uh, Williams is Cale Williams, but if he weren't there, everybody would be talking about Drake May in the same way. He is pretty dang awesome. And I don't know if it's like, I don't know if the defense is bad necessarily. I feel like the offense is a a different level than the defense though, which very much so limits the ceiling of this North Carolina team. Like I don't, spoiler, I'm not going to pick them to make the conference championship again, even with Drake May on the roster. I I don't, I don't blame you at all. Honestly, I don't, why, why would you, what confidence do they inspire? They, so much of their strength when they've been good under Mac Brown has been on the backs of their running backs, which by the way, we don't have one highlighted this season. I, right. 
it's tough. It's tough. Like, what are what are they realistically going to be able to do that's going to impress anybody this year? You know, and they play Appalachian State again. We saw how that went last season. Um, very easily could have been a Mountaineers upset. Uh, 63-61, not exactly an inspiring performance from your defense. Like, they they were on the, the right side of a couple of very close games that I think easily, easily could go the other direction this year. And Drake May alone cannot win you a bunch of games. So I feel like I'm I'm being a little bit harsh on the defense. I do like the linebacking core a lot, uh, but their their defensive back room leaves quite a bit to be desired, I will say, especially with the transfer of Tony Grimes out to Texas A&M. And the defensive line group has never really been solidified under Mac Brown so far, at least since he's returned. I don't know what to expect of the defensive line or the offensive line even necessarily. Uh, even as much as the New York Giants seem to love to draft North Carolina offensive linemen, not like I really think of them as being that amazing every year. So, <laughs> yeah, like, it's uh... leg- legitimately it's one score games against Miami, one score game against Duke, one score game against Virginia, one score game against Wake Forest. They lose a one score game to NC State, lose a one score game to Georgia Tech. I don't think your rate of success can main can sustain that team like over the course of multiple seasons. A one score game against Georgia State last year, one score game against Appalachian State last year. Yeah, you went nine and five with two of those losses coming in the postseason, but it's not like I can. Real, realistically expect a nine and win season again after that kind of I, performance. I think the other thing too is like everybody is so high on Drake May and I I haven't understood that from the beginning, honestly. Like I, I really haven't. And th- that's not to say that he's trash or he's not going to have a good season. I just, somebody needs to explain it to me because I really don't see it. Okay, well, I'll explain it right now. He's 6'4", 225, and he threw for over 4,000 yards last year, 38 touchdowns, with a North Carolina squad that had basically no weapons. I mean, who, who was he even throwing to? I can't name you one guy. But he had 38 touchdowns and over 4,000 yards last year and led North Carolina to an ACC runner-up season with no defense like we just talked about. And the, the fact that here's, they did come out here's on the, the real positive problem. side of so many one-score games does – Unfairly or not, it does reflect on the quarterback most of the time as far as people talk about him. So here's here's the real problem. You don't care. There's one <laughs> one North Carolina quarterback that I ever think of that ever comes to mind. Okay. And he hurt well, me. All right. And we're moving on. This is a different guy. I don't so. care. He's still responsible. <laughs> Let's talk about NC State, the other <laughs> the other North Carolina on the list here. North Carolina State, uh, head coached by Dave Doran, him coming back for his 11th season with the team. 
Wow. Um, I love what Dave Doran has done for NC State. But also, like, it doesn't feel like they win a ton of games. <laughs> Just like and, beat the shit out of you every week. I know, I know. Uh, NC State to me is a lot like Northwestern, not in the hazing way, but in the <laughs> <laughs> in the way that nobody really wants to play that team every week. I, and they're I don't they're know probably not going to win a either. ton. They're they're probably not going to win the conference or anything. They're they went eight and five last year, four and four in conference. That's like a good season for the Wolfpack. Yeah. Nobody nobody enjoyed playing them though, which I feel <laughs> like is about the best you can hope for. And Dave Doran has got this team playing so physically that it's pretty scary. Peyton Wilson is I know I love my middle linebackers, but outside of Tommy Eichenberg, Peyton Wilson might be my favorite in the country. Uh, also, exciting for the Wolfpack this year, before I let you go off here, Bug, I do want to point this out. Brennan Armstrong is coming over as a transfer from Virginia, rejoining with the offensive coordinator that he lit up the stat sheet of Virginia with. Uh, in 2021, Brennan Armstrong threw for almost 4,500 yards and 31 touchdowns. Looked dang good doing it. 2022, the offensive coordinator leaves. He's down to 2,200 yards, seven touchdowns, 12 picks. There is some magic sauce between Brennan Armstrong and this particular offensive scheme. And if he can get back to that, this offense could actually be pretty scary. That does limit Brennan Armstrong. I don't think he's like an NFL-type talent at quarterback. But as far as this exact scheme goes for NC State, there is literally no better option right now. Right, and and I don't think that he's necessarily that NFL talent either. But what I will say is, while the, they seem like they're definitely in kind of that second or third tier of Power 5 teams, because they don't have this big flashy offense that everybody expects, and their big bruising style doesn't always work out for them, they're a good measuring stick for a lot of other teams, as weird as that is to say. For example, opening up the season last year, getting that one-point win against ECU, which I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, the Pirates went for the win, which is the only reason it didn't go to overtime. Yep. But seeing how ECU was able to handle that physicality, give it right back in a lot of regards, and almost come out with the win in that game, that kind of tell that told me a lot about East Carolina, but it also told me a lot about NC State because they were able mm-hmm. to hang in there and not only give it, but also take it. Both teams came out of that game battered, but both teams, I think, came out of it better. It's unfortunate they lost the Dukes-Mayo Bowl to Maryland. It really is. But going into this season, I think it's reasonable to expect at least a similar finish, if not potentially a little bit better. Eight wins... Let me take that back. They lost their their bowl game. Eight wins with one being a bowl win, I think, is another good goal to shoot for this year for the Wolfpack. Absolutely. And they don't have Devin Leary anymore, who's probably the better quarterback talent. But Devin Leary got hurt last year and didn't exactly fit the scheme. So with him being gone, you have a guy who can play this scheme extremely well and has a history of staying healthy. So, like, I think 
I think NC State could be very good again. I think, yeah, eight wins is that's that's about where I'd pick them as well. I think so. Uh, another very physical team most of the time. Looking at the Pitt Panthers here, Pat Narduzzi is back for his ninth season already. Feels like this time has flown by with Pat Narduzzi at Pitt. I don't know if that's just me or if other people feel the same, but I vividly remember his days as defensive coordinator at Michigan State. And then he's made some headlines at ACC Media Days talking about how, I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if I'm making this up or not, but I just think that the talent in the ACC is so much better than what I had to play against in the Big Ten. Dude, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) You played one or two hard games a season. Relax. It ain't that difficult. (laughs) I do want to shout out former Boston College quarterback Phil Yurkovic is in at quarterback. Everything else is questionable, probably. (laughs) Like I think think Pitt's going to be around that eight wins again, purely because the scheme works, the physicality works very well. And they have some decent players. This is not a the level of team that's going to turn any of these guys into bona fide stars, though. And I don't expect them to compete for an ACC title this season. I think that's probably the most disappointing thing is that they're – they're not able to elevate and they they are a team that should be in a position where they are starting to elevate and it just doesn't feel like they're going to get there. And as much as I love Phil Yurkovic, the fact that he's basically never stayed healthy in his career for a full season does limit the potential of this offense as well. So we'll see what they can do. Um, on the Nearly exact opposite end of the spectrum. Garrett Schrader is your consistent quarterback for Syracuse. Love that guy. Uh, the problem for him is that he's not as talented as Phil Yurkovic. He can stay healthy, but, but he only gets you so much. And they are definitely going to miss their very, very high-profile star running back. Probably the highest-profile running back Syracuse has had in, uh, I don't know, 70 years. (laughs) Is is that fair? I I think it's fair. And you also got to, you got to look at it too. Probably the biggest thing I look at every year when I look at Syracuse or Clemson schedule, whichever one I look at first, where is that Syracuse Clemson game at? Yeah. And this year it's at the dome and you got to think, man, Clemson's probably not going to have a great season because they're probably going to lose that one and it's going to derail the entire season. This is opening conference play for Syracuse. It seems like for whatever reason, Clemson comes to the Dome, they don't win. It's not even that they struggle, they just don't win. Every time uh, Clemson gets some Dome, they just don't perform <laughs> the same. And they're going to be coming off a fairly easy non-conference schedule with Colgate, Western Michigan, Purdue, and Army the first four weeks of the season. I'm I'm not saying this might be the year because I don't think it ever is the year for Syracuse, but I think they're going to be in a very good position going into week five and into conference play. Shout out to Marlo Wax and Justin Barron as well for a better than average for Syracuse 
back end of the defense. I do think this is a solid squad and should be in line for another bowl appearance. Last year going seven and six, even after losing to Minnesota in the pinstripe bowl. Um, next up is a, a bad team. <laughs> Virginia, head coached by Tony Elliott, the former offensive coordinator for the Clemson Tigers. Left the same time Brent Venables did for Oklahoma. Tony Elliott went to UVA. And last year is kind of unfair uh, to judge this team because of the tragedy that happened at, on Virginia's campus. And three of their players were killed. And it canceled some games at the end of the year. Um, don't want to talk too much about that because we we definitely hit on that last year enough. Like, let them let them rest. Uh, I will say this year, looking forward to a very different squad. Tony Musket is nice. probably your quarterback this year. Transfer from Monmouth, where he was a really good quarterback. Like, this is a legitimate move all the way from the FCS to Power 5. I think it actually could work and probably plays more in line with a Tony Elliott scheme than what Brennan Armstrong did, even though I think Brennan Armstrong is the more talented, experienced quarterback, uh, at least at this level. Like, Tony Musket could come up and play very well. And they have a couple of strong running backs. This is going to be a rotation for sure. My biggest problem with the running back rotation is that I don't know if the offensive line can create room for these guys. So it might need to be a bit of Paris Jones and Kobe Pace doing the legwork, pun intended. <laughs> I am excited to see how this team does throughout the season, how they hold up uh, just health-wise as well, because their biggest rival, Virginia Tech, who we're going to talk about here in a minute, they actually play this one during rivalry week, the Commonwealth Clash. I don't know that either team is going to be playing for a bowl game, but I do think there is potential they could be. They could be. I mean, I I see no reason why they can't squeak out five wins throughout this conference and non-conference schedule. And we're going to talk about Virginia Tech here momentarily as well. That makes the rivalry game mean that much more. Uh, and for two teams that are really trying to refine themselves, it's going to be it's going to be a great game to watch. So I think. Unless you have more to add to Virginia, let's hop straight into Virginia Tech. Yeah, their biggest rival head coached by Brent Pry, also in his second year, former defensive coordinator for Penn State, came over and shat the bed with the Hokies. Uh, how much does Brent Pry's fault and how much does your former Memphis coach's fault? I don't know, we're a little bit removed from that, but still, feels like <sighs> feels like the Fuentes. I, I don't <laughs> I don't think anybody was going to come in. I think Fuentes was dealt, dealt a pretty shit hand with who he was replacing. Yeah. Um that know, said but... they didn't perform. So, right. you know. Little a, little I B. will I do want to say for this coming season, this is the best wide receiver room that Virginia Tech's had in a very long time. It comes at the hands of two transfers former Old Dominion receiver Allie Jennings the third, who was my favorite part of watching Old Dominion last year 
is now on the Virginia Tech Hokies. And Middle Tennessee State receiver Jalen Lane is now also on the Hokies, who was my second favorite part of watching the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders last year. So, <laughs> And they opened the season against Old Dominion. Really, they've yep. got a very winnable non-conference schedule. Pretty much the same as Virginia. Virginia does have Tennessee in there, which makes things a little more difficult for them. But again, this is why I was looking at it like, man, both of these teams could have five wins going into the Commonwealth Classic to close out the season. I could we see could we see Virginia Tech getting back into into relevance? This is another team, you know. I, I think there's four teams in this conference that when they're all good, college football is better. And I think Virginia Tech is that fourth team. If they want to do that, they will have to beat Old Dominion which they were unable to do last year. Yeah. At Old Dominion, so they're at least at least <laughs> they're, they're at home. home for this one. Uh, <laughs> and Allie Jennings is on the other sideline, so maybe maybe that'll help. <laughs> As I say that though, I do think the defensive backroom is the strongest part of this defense though. Dorian Strong and Mansoor Delane are really good corners both. Um but we'll see how they can do. I I would be surprised if they make a bowl game but not not necessarily shocked like i just there need there need to be a couple of things happen for that to occur like finding a legitimate quarterback which i don't know who that's going to be right now uh getting some legitimate pressure across the defensive line which you know cj mccray made our slide but i don't really trust that pass rush right now that's one of the most important parts of the game so a few things need to go their way in this offseason. I do think Brent Pry is a good coach, but is he the right coach at the right time? I don't I don't have an answer for that right now. So it's we're probably in for a long season for both Virginia squads, if I'm honest with you. Probably so. And that leaves one final team in the ACC. Wake Forest, they've got a big problem at quarterback, and that's because Sam Hartman left, and he went to Notre Dame after having a strange season. If I remember right, he had to come back after some weird blood clots that were going on there. Yeah. And he helped lead the Wake Forest team to an eight-win season upon his return, including a win over Missouri in the Gasparilla Bowl, winning him a comeback player award from the ACC, and then he said, nope, I'm dipping. I'm going to going to Notre Dame, which... Going to basically the ACC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to make of this Wake Forest team at all this year. Me either. Uh, I will say I trust Dave Clawson because, holy shit, the job he's on at Wake Forest is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Wake Forest used to be the laughing stock of the ACC. Um, and they are a very respected program now. Yeah. Dave Clawson in particular is a very respected head coach, not just in the ACC, but in college football. Yes. Yeah. I, I think Justice Ellison is your best player right now. Um, but that's going to fundamentally change the way this Wake Forest team plays, right? To, to have a, a junior running back who really shouldn't be the face of your franchise become 
the best player in your offense, that that hurts. Yeah. It's going to take some real coaching here, but I do think Dave Clawson can do it. I This is the exact opposite situation of what, the, what we were just talking about with the Virginia teams. I would be surprised if they didn't make a bowl game at this point. Um, but it's possible. It's possible this year. <laughs> it's going to – I think there's going to be a lot of pain getting there because, like we said, losing Sam Hartman, who we're going to talk about a little more in depth here momentarily, uh, it, it changes a lot of things for him. It really does. But before we talk conference champions, we do have one independent who fits all too well into this conversation here for the ACC. And we are, of course, talking about the one team that should join a fucking conference more than anybody. Uh, but probably won't basically because of- has because they have a scheduling agreement with the ACC. Yep. They just refuse to go all the way. And they they almost accidentally won a conference championship in the ACC during the COVID year. We're of course talking about Notre Dame, yeah, Front, Notre- fronted by second year head coach Marcus Freeman, and uh, as we already said, Sam Hartman transferring in. How much do you think this elevates the Fighting Irish? I don't know that elevates is even the right word for it. Like. I think this is the level that they expect to be at. Um, I also don't know that it really improves them that much. Like, this is a new scheme for Sam Hartman, right? And what he was able to do at Wake Forest, yes, it is impressive, and not many people could do it. But this is a a different level of expectations. And we've seen guys come into Notre Dame and not perform. That's true. And you have no idea how depressed I am that when they play Wake Forest, it's at Notre Dame Stadium. Like, that makes me very, very sad. I know. I am. Ex- There's a lot of matchups here that I'm excited to see. Of course, Navy play- playing that game in Dublin to open up the season. But then also, USC is going to be a fantastic game. Of course, that national level rivalry between the Trojans and the Fighting Irish. And they're, then, yeah, Wake Forest has got to be potentially. Special. Very potentially, we have three playoff teams on Notre Dame's schedule this year, and then also Tennessee State. So it's a, <laughs> it's a combination of things on the schedule. Uh, every, everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. <laughs> and they're playing them week two. Right. It's fine. Everybody gets one. Fine. It's fine. During, during SEC Cupcake Week, they're playing Sam Hartman Revenge Game. So, I mean, it, you know. And, but then they play Stanford the week after. So can we uh, – <laughs> Anyway, uh, a couple of really, really strong players, like star players on this team. The second best left tackle in college football. The alternate left tackle. Yeah. Uh, The best left tackle is probably at Penn State, but Joe Alt is very good and probably a first-round pick already. Uh, Can't wait to see him alt-control-delete some pass rushers. Nice. I approve. (laughs) J.D. Bertrand is a very solid middle linebacker, has been for a little while now. And Benjamin Morrison is a true sophomore. And I got into a debate on Twitter uh, when I didn't include him in my Power 5 All-American squad. And the guy had a point, but he is a true sophomore. And it's it was close. It it legitimately was. Uh, This is a very talented squad. My biggest issue 
with Notre Dame right now is Marcus Freeman. And I think there is a level of um, just playing with emotion. Is he is Marcus he too Freeman, much of a player's coach? I don't think it's about being a player's coach. I think it's about the just he doesn't know how to maintain an even keel through some downturns. I think his reactions to things made the Marshall game last year, for example, worse than it could have been. If that were Brian Kelly on the sidelines, as much as I think Brian Kelly is a little bit overrated and not a really good recruiter, like he is a good sideline coach, very good sideline coach. And if that were Brian Kelly on the sidelines for the Marshall game last year, and that first half is as close as it is, I think Notre Dame out-talents them in the second half. Marcus Freeman got emotional with it, and they lost that game. The way they came out to start the season last year against Ohio State looked really good for the first half, right? And then Marcus Freeman started really trying to, as a 30-year-old coach, tried to make his name in that Ohio State game week one and kind of kind of messed it up in the second half. I think that's on Marcus Freeman a lot more than people are willing to talk about right now. And this team is as talented as anybody in the ACC. Uh, uh, you know, kind of talking about them with the ACC here. I don't think they're a playoff team, though. And for me, a lot of that comes down to Marcus Freeman. Yeah, I would I would completely agree. I don't know that they are necessarily a bad team, but I, I agree with you. I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that they've got a young coach that is trying to make a name for himself so desperately. He's trying to be the best coach in college football as fa- as quickly as he can. I get it. I I understand where he's coming from. I know that he wants to be that guy. I know that he wants to elevate this team and get it back to their former glory and that's what he was hired to do i think the pressure of the job really gets to him a lot of the time as well yeah yeah and uh, i think there's a big factor in you know they lost to marshall last year everybody jokes about it that game was week two right they lost a very emotional game to ohio state a game that they came out, they thought they played their best football in that first half. And I do think they probably did. That was a, that felt like a championship game basically for the first half. And then they, they got emotional about it and that carried over into week two and they lost because of that to Marshall. They overlooked Stanford last year and lost to Stanford 16 to 14. That should not have happened. They were a much more talented team than Stanford. I think they played about the best that they could have against USC. USC was the better team last year. That's fine with me. But the Ohio State and Marshall games and the Stanford game give me some pause. So, I agree. I, I fully agree. But we got some – non-conference games to talk about, quote-unquote, one of those being the rematch of Ohio State at Notre Dame this time in South Bend. 
Yeah. What are we, this one's a little bit later in the season It's week five. What are we thinking here? Yeah, I do think Ohio state is it's week four. They're playing week zero against Navy. That's my fault. Yeah. I do think Ohio state is the more talented team. Um, I also think that Marcus Freeman will have learned a bit of a lesson from last year's experience. I don't know that it'll be enough. The there's there's a there's a really beneficial side of this for Ohio State um, with Notre Dame playing Navy, Tennessee State. Yes, they have NC State, but then they play Central Michigan before Ohio State, right? I don't know that any of those opponents prepare you for what Ohio State can do. Um, I'll say definitively with three of those. And then you have a very physical team in NC State, which is not what Ohio State has been recently. And then you look at Ohio State's schedule beforehand. You have such a mix of what the opponents can do. You almost get prepared for anything uh, where Indiana is going to rely on everything they can do in the running game which probably isn't going to be too much. It's not going to be the same level as Notre Dame. I'm not saying that, but they're going to have a run first team there. They have Youngstown State, who's actually a very good FCS squad. I'm not expecting them to put up much of a fight against Ohio State, but it's, you know, that's a different kind of offense. Then you have a, a potentially the best passing offense in the nation in Western Kentucky. Again, not the level of Notre Dame all around talent wise, but the fact that you have both of those in preparation of Notre Dame, I think helps Ohio state also consider too, both of these teams have first year quarterbacks, essentially Sam Hartman coming in uh, and then probably Kyle McCord for Ohio state, but we'll see. And I, I got to say, we got we got a couple other games highlighted here as well. Minnesota at North Carolina. That one's going to be interesting because you've got North Carolina, who was the ACC runner-up last year, and you've got Minnesota, who I think is still very much trying to find their footing. And they've got a lot of lot of things going on with PJ Fleck right now that put this team, uh, put their season kind of in in question. I would say for a lot of people. Last but not yeah. least, we, we touched on a little bit when talking about the game last year, uh, but we've got FSU hosting LSU in a neutral site game at Camping World Stadium in Orlando. That's the fullest that stadium's going to be because it certainly was not bringing the fans in to watch the Guardians struggle all season <laughs> in the XFL. I do want to say, though, about Minnesota, they very nearly won the Big Ten West last year. Um, I think that game's going to be closer than people expect outside looking in i'm actually very excited for that game as a as a non-conference game to watch and then lsu florida state last year delivered 100 so yeah. if we can get anything close to how great that game was last year i am all the way in i i think i said florida state's back when i was watching that game i really do i think that's that was my exact yeah. my exact uh thought watching that game if you want bring those up to the minute thoughts from Bug as he's watching Florida State games, join the Discord. That's where he'll. Hey, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we did. We haven't. We haven't talked about the Discord during this episode for our audio and YouTube listeners. Come watch us live. You'd have heard it earlier. Yeah. Uh, 
But talking about the ACC Conference Championship picture, I think without a doubt, Clemson is in that conversation again, and I'm just going to come out and say it. I expect them to win this conference again. I think they've built a program to the point where that is the expectation year in and year out, and to the point that two losses in the regular season and then a bowl game loss seems like a bad year for them. And really, I mean, they were a very good team last year. That being said, I'm going to get behind my man, Mike Norvell, without the conference or without the divisions here, I'm saying they're facing off against FSU in this conference championship game. And I expect that to be a fantastic game as well. I'm Mm -hmm. really looking forward to what the Seminoles are going to do this season. And by no means am I an FSU fan. Typically, you would hear me talking very down on the Seminoles. And that has nothing to do with with Norvell being there. I just like antagonizing my brother-in-law. But... I think they. I think they're back. I think this is if they're going to make that step to prove to everybody that they're back. This is the year they're going to do it. Yeah, I don't see anybody else legitimately being at the level of Clemson and Florida State this year in the ACC. Like I'm 100 percent with you that it'll be Clemson against Florida State, which is dangerous because when we agree, it's usually wrong. So but. what are we what are we picking for Tug then? We're gonna make this fun. We got I'm gonna say Tug would have picked uh Boston College against Virginia Tech. <laughs> because we know he's not picking Clemson because they don't have a good coach according to him. Right. So you say Clemson would win against Florida State in the conference championship, right? You gonna, you gonna flip the script on me here? You gonna take FSU? Here's what I'm thinking: the regular season matchup between the two is September 23 at Death Valley. It is very hard to beat a team twice in the same season. <laughs> That's true. And I'm gonna take the home team in the regular season matchup, which means I'm taking Florida State in the title game i like it i like that and uh maybe with two sec losses lsu and florida so we don't get an acc team in the playoff either (laughs) that's your wet dream right there (laughs) fuck everybody else (laughs) two two big 10 two sec schools to cap off this 14 playoff era (laughs) let's go Well, everybody, that is just about going to do it for us here today live and uh, for our ACC and Notre Dame show. If you would like to support the channel monetarily, check out patreon.com backslash BDT football. You can also go to twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches and uh, give us a subscription there. That'll help grow the show and make what you see before you a little bit better. If you want to connect with us, Check us out on Twitter.com or X. I'm not sure what's going on here. The app is being very weird on my phone. It finally changed the logo, but there's, it's weird. Uh, we are at BDT Football there, whatever it's going to be called com- going forward. You can also check out Facebook.com backslash BDT Football, Instagram.com backslash BDT underscore football. Check us out at BDTFootball.com. We're in flux with the website right now, but it is still up. You can go to mailbox mailbox at bdtfootball.com with your questions if you are unable to make it live, although 
getting in the Twitch comments is the fastest way to get a hold of us and get your questions answered on the show. If you are listening to the audio version and you would like to actually see the slides and products that we're talking about, check us out at youtube.com backslash big dudes in the trenches. All one word there, just like on the Twitch. And the Discord has been scrolling across the bottom. It was in the Twitch comments and it's going to be in the description as well. So be sure to check us out there. Get directly in the conversation with us. We're always in there posting and talking. We'd love to have you join us there. Doug. Do you two have things. anything to add? Two two things. If this is not just a pure troll job from Elon Musk, which is very potentially could be, if it is X officially here going forward, I say that instead of tweets now, we just call them giving it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be acceptable. And also, I do have a question for you. Uh, do you know what kind of cars eggs drive cartons yolks wagons i got the jokes for thursday all right okay (laughs) fair enough uh so are we doing tugs thing fuck no get me out of here all right everybody we will see y'all next time until then thursday live And then Friday, Saturday for the audio for the next one. Peace out, bro. Have a good one.